This is Do We Like Movies. It's a podcast where two guys review individual movies, sequels, and occasional television shows. In this show, we talk about our experiences with them, and we answer the question, Do we like this movie? Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your quarantine host, Tommy. <laughs> and uh, all right, here we are. We are talking sick. A brand... Are you sick of this movie? Because I sure am. <laughs> Boom. Oh. That is comedy, folks. Yeah, this movie is a movie that I heard a lot of, you know, big, good buzz around. Um, From who? It... No, like <laughs> online. People I were talking about the, it. I demand that they out themselves for who the dirty liars they are so I can fight <laughs> them. No, this was uh, online. People were talking about how this was an interesting movie. It was an interesting concept because, you know, movies are now starting to deal with the pandemic, I guess. And uh, it's it's this movie itself, it's like an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, Man. it... <laughs> People on Ron Tomatoes are bored as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, you know, I was hearing about it. It, it premiered on Peacock in January. Um, and for those who don't know, it is a slasher film written by Kevin Williamson. We're talking about the 2022 movie Sick. Mm, I cannot wait to discuss this movie, honestly. <laughs> because this film... This film is a weird is a weird study in like going too far in one direction. <laughs> yes. It's one of those things where it has a very clear way of where it's going and I'm with it and then suddenly the 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 stagecoach just goes over the cliff. <laughs> I agree with that. And you have no reason to, or you have no way to understand why or how it happened so quickly, but the rails just fall off on this film so <laughs> abruptly. Yeah, I'm, I don't want to get too far into it before we start talking about the plot of this movie. Um, it's a short movie. It's not very long. This is, I think, one of the things that was the buzz around this movie was Kevin Williamson, you know, doing slasher movies again. And there are a couple of references to other stuff he's done before. Um, very, like, punch you in the face references. <laughs> and as we talked about, you know, to kind of prepare myself because I knew more or less the time period that this movie was going to take place in. I actually went back and I listened to the episodes that we did of this show um, when COVID lockdown started in 2020. And it, it's it's it, because it is like a record of what my life was like around this time. And, you know, hey, funny enough, the, the, the beginning of this movie is does a good job of just bringing us right back to a period in time. And of course, for those who don't know, uh, you know, I just recently had COVID. So um, and I caught it for the first time <laughs> just a few weeks ago. Um, 
you know, all those years that we've been in 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 lockdown, you know, it's my first time getting it was very recent. So I know, dude, it's crazy. You went like three years. Meanwhile, I'm two and oh. <laughs> Fuck yeah, um, COVID. Come on, come at me, bro. I'm ready for that third rematch. <laughs> so, you know, hey, it, it's it's an interesting, you know, concept to go to. And um yeah, I, I'm I guess we could get into it if you'd like. Um, yeah, I guess experience-wise with this movie, I remember hearing about it, you told me about it, found out it was on Peacock, and that was kind of it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's anything you really want to go into, I feel like our experiences are fairly similar. Yeah, no, it, it's just, uh, I guess what we could talk about is, is really for those people who, I mean, I think we talked about it back then on the show, but this, the beginning of this movie really does take us back to the time you know, that we were about to start quarantine. Like, I remember, you know, I worked in an IT department for a company that had, you know, like seven, eight different U.S. offices, um, and people were working full-time in offices. And I remember, you know, as an IT person, that we had to help prepare an entire company to transition off of working in an office to working completely at home, which meant making sure that whatever VPN connections we have could handle the amount of traffic that was going to be coming through and, you know, basically putting up like (laughs) a bunch of uh, Microsoft, you know, Azure servers to be able to run like insanely graphics intensive, like, you know, Autodesk programs. (laughs) And it's, it's, the fact that we got that work done as like we were, you know, we knew in two weeks or in three weeks, you know, we were going to be start working from home for a while. Two weeks, we're going to start working from home for a while. One week, we're going to start. And the funny thing is, we all in the beginning of the pandemic did not think it was going to take that long. You know, the the characters in this movie, this is supposed to take place in April of 2020. You know, when we first transitioned to working from home, which for me was like the second to last week of March, I think we all thought that it might be like an eight week to 10 week thing, you know, that it, it would be something that wouldn't, <laughs> it was a thing that wasn't going to take long. You know, at that time we were all talking about flattening the curve because the curve, you know, of infections was, you know, going up and, and, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, Still, it makes me laugh. Um, you know, I I'm a huge football fan, and I'm a giant like 49ers fan. And there's this article that came out in the San Francisco Chronicle like a few years ago <laughs> that uh, that talks about how you know the fact that the 49ers lost in the Super Bowl in February of that year actually ended up being good for you know for the population of the greater bay area because apparently um if they would have won and the 49ers would have had a parade in in san francisco that it would have been like a giant super spreader event oh absolutely that would have caused like insane amounts of infections so it's one of those things that i always look at i'm like oh okay Great, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess we're all safe. <laughs> and we all didn't get COVID. Um, but yeah, it's a, you know, this is, a, we were all like, you know, running the grocery stores, grabbing toilet paper. We were wiping down our groceries with 
you know, Clorox wipes. We were using Lysol spray to spray all the rooms we were in. <laughs> and it's just funny because, like, you know, as, as we time has gone by and as we've lived with COVID longer, obviously, we know that it's something that it spreads through, like, you know, Droplets particles and, that, yeah. yeah, like particles that come out of your mouth when you're, like, you know, in, in close proximity to people. And, um, it, and it's, it, it's, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, I was just gonna say it's like, yeah, we were we we were us being afraid of the wrong things. Like it's just funny how much we've learned now, and it's like looking back. One, I my life has changed a whole hell of a lot since April twenty twenty. <laughs> like it's crazy to think about how April twenty twenty. Like I was still working for county public health, and I couldn't really talk about my job until COVID hits. <laughs> And then I just still remember going into the office one day and getting called into like this emergency meeting and my boss telling all of us, hey, a bunch of you just got activated as disaster service workers. Um, You're going to have to start reporting on the weekends and we're going to train you. We're going to take about four weeks to train y'all to become uh, COVID investigators. <laughs> And we just hit the ground running, dude. Like, it is crazy to think about how we were in March giving, like, quarantine orders to people at their houses in person. No masks yet because we didn't know how people were getting COVID yet. And it's like going to people's houses, not being able to talk to people, just like going on investigations calling people coordinating with all these different other health jurisdictions like it was obviously my 2020 was a little bit different because i was like actually on like i was actually on the front line of like the cool coat like covid investigation side and it was like and it was cool because i mean i can say hey i had the i had this crazy experience once in a lifetime what i hope is once in a lifetime and i never had to live through again being able to 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 be a part of the response of this like global thing and having this like weird kinship with people where I'm like, I'm like, you know, coordinating with people in LA and the UK and then suddenly in Atlanta and like just all over the place, just trying to get information just for contact tracing, you know? Um, it was just insane. Like it was something I never thought I would ever, what I would ever be doing. Um, and just, just like the fear of the unknown and as i was learning trying to keep people safe keep people educated trying to like really maneuver a lot of that stuff um yeah like it, it like covid is such an insane it's been such an insane time um, like I know that this movie kind of deals with it and I and I talk in the beginning of the episode about how this movie is one of those movies that's like now you know showing what things were like but I think we've talked about this before either off mic or on mic but you know I don't think we fully dealt with just like everything that that this covid lockdown year has done to us like <laughs> like we haven't even fully comprehended like just the stuff that we've lived through just in that one year and a half period where we were on lockdown like that. Oh, not at all. And I think that's going to come up 
for a lot of us over the course of the next couple of years is just kind of dealing with the ramifications of just what it's like to suddenly go from, you know, your life is normal and then suddenly everything changing literally overnight. Yeah, you know, like, like, I, I, like I will never forget one of the things that I will never forget in my life is maybe a couple weeks into lockdown or one or two weeks in a lockdown um, where, you know, my wife, my daughter and I decided that we were going to take a walk, you know, around our neighborhood, place that we had been, you know, at a bunch of times already. And because nobody was leaving their house and nobody was going anywhere, the road was completely empty um and i live you know where my condos um are is are on a very busy street you know um where i live and there was no cars there there was nobody out there was this just eerie silence that like like we were outdoors like at midday on a sunday and it was so empty you know and um once we got to the trail, the, you know, the main trail you walk on, you do see people walking by with masks on and stuff like that. But it's just such an eerie feeling that like this feeling that I had over me that was like, oh, my God, everything that, you know, our entire lives have just changed. And I don't know when we're ever going to go back to anything that resembles normal again. And now it's like, oh, cool. It's like, you know, at least it's like now we're, we're, it's a new normal, but it's, you know, it's more normal than it's ever been. And, um, but man, that the, just the fear and that weird feeling from those first few weeks of lockdown, I think the beginning of this movie does capture that just this overwhelming sense of anxiety of just yeah we don't really know where this is going when it's gonna end and how long it's gonna be like it's such a trip it really took me back to i remember sitting in one meeting right like this movie took me back to for some reason i don't know i don't know what about it took me back to it but getting called in we're sitting on this meeting bunch of us are like separated um you know we're on on teams like we're on this team's call and it's gotta be like it's got to be right before lockdown in California lifted in June, right? So it's like that low, like the closing days of May. And we're talking about kind of, you know, we're uh, like, we're still talking about how everyone's caseloads are doing. And then we had to take like a good 30 minutes to talk about, all right, y'all. Um, You know, we're talking about flattening the curve. Uh, be ready for a second round of uh, the resurgence in the winter once people start getting co-infected with the flu. Be ready. Like, it was one of those things that every day you go in, you're just like, what's the next shitty set of bad news I'm going to hear? <laughs> like, <laughs> you could you could make one of those, like, workplace, the office-style comedies off of, like, <laughs> just like the kind of experiences that you were probably having on a daily basis oh dude absolutely we would just be going in and just pre- prepare mentally preparing and uh, i remember there was one of my coworkers. he would just be like all right covid war super optimistic i love the guy he's like a mentor <laughs> and he'd just be super optimistic going like all right, COVID warriors, let's go kick his ass. And I'm like, no, we're not. We're losing. <laughs> Stop being so optimistic, goddamn. I'm good at all she's got, Captain. I don't know what else you want me to do. <laughs> oh, it was great. Like it, 
that team, you know, they did the best they could and everyone's just holding it together. It was just, yeah, it is one of those weird things where it's like, again, being a part of something so big and at the same time so isolating. It's so weird. Like, yeah, <laughs> this movie brought me back mentally to a weird place I haven't been in a while. Yeah. And hey, did in the spirit of previous uh, Kevin Williamson movies, uh, there is a little bit of scream that is in the beginning of this movie, in that it starts with you know a seemingly disparate like uh, storyline involving a character that you won't really see for the rest of the movie, and uh, that is the character of Tyler Murphy, who is uh, in a grocery store, you know, looking for I think it's toilet paper because this might have been around the time when toilet paper was at a shortage. <laughs> Well, because... definitely toilet paper. He goes and grabs the the tissue before the pregnant lady can. Yeah, and she gets super indignant and just like, "Really, dude?" And he feels bad and gives it to her. And I'm like, "Yeah, I was, I was there. I know what that felt like." Yeah, people were fighting over, uh, you know, like uh, toilet tissue because hey, apparently, you know, we had such a our supply chain existing supply chain for toilet paper was not going to be able to handle the fact that people weren't going to work anymore and mm. people were actually going to be purchasing like toilet paper for their homes at a rate never seen before yeah everyone was really afraid of shit in their pants like i get it <laughs> that's like a fear i have when i travel but all you non-bidet having motherfuckers suffered the most yeah i'm one of those so uh, but thankfully, the garden hose tied to like. <laughs> thankfully, we did live near a Costco, so we were, you know, among those that could always, you know, buy one case that like lasts you an entire month. So you always, you always were there whenever the new toilet paper dropped. So <laughs> that, yeah. the year two thousand toilet paper. It's <laughs> <laughs> a bad motherfucker. <laughs> All right. So Tyler, as Tyler is like going around on his quest to find toilet paper, or as my friend calls them, shit tickets, he's getting text messages <laughs> from like <laughs> that one got you. Yes, God. But yeah, he's getting random text messages from this uh, from this unknown number that's telling him if he wants to party, but he has to be COVID safe, and he's just like, "Who are you?" And it feels like one of those weird, overly aggressive Russian bots that hit you up on Instagram. <laughs> They're like, yeah, it's daddy. Let me see peen size. <laughs> sure. But then, you know, more more relative. It's it's also like very much like Ghostface in the beginning of Scream. Whereas oh, like, yeah, in the too. original Scream, he's calling Drew Barrymore's character over the phone. In this one, you're way more likely to be texting somebody than you ever would. Uh, you know, somebody called you on the phone, unless you know them, you're not going to pick up. <laughs> I mean, he entertains an unknown text message yeah, thread way longer than I would. That's pretty risky. You know, usually, if I get a text from somebody that I don't know, you know, the first thing I will ask is, uh, who is this? And if I don't get a response, block sender. So, a <laughs> new phone, who dis? <laughs> You never, uh, what, you never aggressively respond, who the fuck are you? <laughs> no, I don't actually do that. Mainly uh, because I do use my cell phone for business, so. Also because you're I'm not getting... a sociopath the way Tyler is. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not getting... saying he had it coming, but it feels like he doesn't do much to redeem himself in the short few minutes he has left in this <laughs> For <film>. sure. 
and he ends up getting a picture of someone taking uh taking a picture of him what looks like in line taking a picture of his ass and sending it to him um and he ends up turning around and sees like this rant like you know just a random assortment of people in line behind him and he ends up just like fucking putting the bird up to a bunch of strangers that include like parents <laughs> he ends up paying for the toilet paper he does manage to get and but he still has the eerie like feeling of being followed he ends up like bumping into a guy who starts yelling at him about not having his mask on um which this comes up i, I actually do love that that comes up a few times where I remember I being in where I was working, I was like, if you don't put your goddamn masks on. <laughs> uh, eventually he gets into the car. And he ends up driving away. Of course, this movie, like, subverts your expectations. You're expecting him to get attacked in the car. But then it's, like, right in the middle of a group of people. So it also, I'm glad they didn't do that. It felt like it would have been too obvious. Mm-hmm. And he ends up driving home. Where he goes up in what looks like, I don't know if it's supposed to be a dorm area or like a college um, for whatever college he goes to. Uh, but he goes up in what looks like these old timey, like it, it, it's a real, like the, the, the apartment building is really weirdly built. Where it's like the, every landing has like two, um, every landing has two apartments on it. But when they open the apartments, they're actually pretty big. <laughs> I was expecting them to be like dingy and tiny, you know, things that college kids could afford. But this turns yeah. out it's, you know, pretty. No, it's pretty giant tech bro gentrifier, <laughs> like sized apartment. <laughs> Absolutely. And when he goes inside, I'm trying to remember, does he still get text messages while he's in the in the house? I think so. And eventually, like, his paranoia takes over until finally he gets jumped by a guy dressed in all black, uh, mm. black jacket, black mask, and ha- starts fighting at him with this uh, with his hunting knife. Um, and, you know, good on Tyler. He actually puts up a fight himself, starts like uh, he manages to fight the guy off. Uh, he ends up getting stabbed in the hand, <laughs> which he ends up having to rip off, uh, rip off through the knife where he uh, goes running into his room uh, to kind of regroup. And there he gets a baseball bat and he gets, um, you know, he's able to kind of cover up his hand a little bit. And he opens the door looking for the guy who just attacked him. And, uh, you know, he ends up noticing his uh front door is open so as he walks over to the front door he looks to see if anyone's behind him and then like in a shocking twist you see there's a guy the guy right behind him puts the knife right up to his neck and slits his throat dragging him back inside of his apartment very very much a scream ask opening Mm -hmm. i thought it was pretty good i thought it was very well done but, you know, it was sneaky. I mean, it do, it tells me a lot. It tells me a lot in the beginning of this film. It You know, you, you see a character that's willing to put up a fight. I'm like, okay, these characters are actually going to want to live. Hopefully they make smart decisions and they fight back. You have a very... You have a slasher who's oddly, like... And it comes up a lot more later in the film where, you know, the guy moves quick. Like, you yes. got a really squirrely 
a really squirrely slasher here. What works in this that also works in Scream is that it's also just like a killer that could be literally anybody. Where in Scream, it's like they wear a costume that literally anyone can buy at any like Halloween store. In this one, you know, just it's a situation that anyone can find themselves in. And the fact that the person who is, you know, the killer in this is actually just covering their mouth the way everyone was during COVID. It's just Mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's like there's something more visceral and real about it. And it's also just the brutality of the kills in this. There's it's the violence in this is brutal. We get a uh, title card of some time passes. I think it's like three weeks later or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. It's always three weeks. <laughs> and we get introduced to college besties Parker Mason and Miri Woodlow. Yeah. Who are um, basically like the two main characters that we're going to be around the entire rest of the movie. And, uh, and what's kind of neat about this is that it, it, as opposed to Scream, which is like a big world that has like all these like different characters in it this movie stays you know it stays very much like in one spot you know i mean we, it kind of has to right like <laughs> well early in the pandemic you know uh, funny enough you and i did an episode of this show where we talked about like social isolation movies mm-hmm. and like you and i counted down like movies of characters that are stuck in a single location and uh funny enough hey here we are we're in, in practically a silver the single location movie because uh, Parker and Miri are introduced on you know whatever college campus that they that they study on, um, they're actually going to travel to um, Parker's family's lake house, mm-hmm. uh, and they will be quarantining there. So you know, being there for several weeks. Um, I know this Miri... is back when quarantine was actual, like two, <laughs> two for like two weeks, fourteen mm-hmm. days. You better not talk to anyone else, or I'll kick, or, or I'll kick your ass. Yeah. Uh, So and also the reason why, you know, they're pretty strict about this. You know, Parker isn't. Parker seems a little bit more loose with, uh, you know, with with COVID restrictions and is less less interested in wearing her mask. And hey, I I noticed this, so I'm going to say it, you know. Parker is the white character, so is less concerned <laughs> about getting infected by COVID. And Miri, who is a black character and who who mentions that she has a father who is uh, immunocompromised, is a lot more careful about wearing a mask. And uh, I no, you know what, parents of color, I got a bo- I got a bone to pick with y'all, okay? Because I spent two years trying to protect my parents from COVID. <laughs> And in one week, my dad said, screw that, and got us all sick. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's a, so it's fine when you do it, but it's terrible when I do it. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, I did relate to that, and I'm sure all of us related to that in some way, shape, or form. Because mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, early pandemic, you just don't know. You're just so scared. You know that older folks are more at risk. They're just like... You just don't want to like risk anything. I remember, I, and hey, know. for for those of us who have not, you know, who 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 have been, there's a lot of us have been lucky enough that did not lose anyone uh, to COVID. There's a mm. lot of us who did, you know. So it's like now, especially that the vaccine does exist, and most of the population is now vaccinated, and COVID is, you know, obviously something that we can get, and it's a little bit less terrifying because most of us are vaccinated now mm-hmm. um it's it, a lot of people died during the pandemic like it's Dude, like, it's I remember, we... 
I remember like, coming home from work and then just like, and you know, I'm living at home, I'm living with my parents, so it's like I'm trying not to get them sick. So there, I wouldn't, I would just like as soon as I get home, run upstairs, get out of my work clothes, get into the shower because I didn't, I, and even then, try to stay in my room as much as possible. Yeah, my my wife worked in a hospital, and uh, you know, there was a COVID testing center right out front, and she early pandemic, she would have to come home you know, fully change, disinfect and all that kind of stuff before we would even be able to get near her. Like that's how, again, we, we didn't know, we didn't really know how it was trans, how it was most transmissible. We knew that obviously that it could be transmissible, like, you know, from particles that come out of your mouth. But, um, but we also weren't sure if it gets past, you know, from holding hands with somebody, from touching things other people touch, so we were just being so much more careful. What and, if you can uh, get it from kissing? <laughs> and none of us, you know, and 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 hey, tests uh, tests weren't, you know, COVID tests weren't something that was readily available for anyone. So mm-hmm. it's one know, of the I jarring just... things in this movie that we'll get into later. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, before the the girls start their trip, Parker already starts getting really weird text messages and does what exactly what you're supposed to do, which is just block the number. <laughs> So she ends up blocking the number, uh, getting in her car, and she, uh, her and uh, Mary make their way over to the lake house. So right off the bat, you see that there's like beautiful, opulent like cabin. A lot of windows. I hate when there's so many windows. Very <laughs> much like, like that big old house that Drew Barrymore is in in the beginning of Scream. It just Jesus feels like Christ. it's a place where you could get into it like in twenty different ways. I know <laughs> it's, it's one like, of the why? there's a there's a lot of ways in which I you know like sometimes I get disappointed. I'm like, ah, it'd be nice to have a big old house. It'd be nice to have all this space. You know, you, you live in what's basically apartment space. You're like, ah, it's kind of frustrating. Like it's not that big. Then you see movies like this, and you're like, my goodness, I would hate to live in a place where there's, like, seven different entrances, and, mm-hmm. and you could, like, literally get, like, murdered in 20 different ways in it. <laughs> We're broken as people, because that's, like, the first thing we think about, is how can I die in my own home? But it, yeah, it's true. It was the first thing I was thinking of. It's like, there's so many fucking windows, so many open areas. I don't know where the exits are. I'm like, I hate this house. But for all intents and purposes, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful property. They have, they're right up on the lake. The girls out, go out there to uh, start drinking and hanging out. Um, they start watching like CNN reports and anything, and they turn into a drinking game where anytime Anthony Fauci's mentioned, they have to take a drink. So anytime there's COVID buzzwords, it's like, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and then um eventually the girls have their girl their quarantine crashed by one of Parker's uh flings back in college, a guy by the name of DJ. So uh, it's and they mentioned DJ before. Uh, Mary was kind of like teasing, uh, teasing Parker about him. It sounds like it's uh like it sounds like it's one of those relationships where he thought they were something more than they, what they really were. Um, there's a little bit of miscommunication there and a lot of weird tension. Uh, eventually, you know, he tells the girls, "Hey, I borrowed my friend's car." I drove up here like I made the two hour drive because I needed to talk to Parker. Absolutely and, again, frightening, by the way. <laughs> fellas, 
Hmm. If you know she's going to be quarantining and didn't invite you, don't go. <laughs> no. No. No means no. No is creepy. No <laughs> or, or absolutely talk to somebody. Like, Or seriously, if you were going to go see someone who's quarantining, hey, talk to them outside the house. You know, like maybe have them open the door and you would have been across the street. <laughs> you know, like it's this great meme that I saw in early pandemic where it, it talked about how... Uh, is this girl who posted a picture she goes my dad and all the neighborhood dads like decided to get together for beers and it's just like all these dads standing outside their houses like just talking Mm -hmm. to each other from far away (laughs) and and it's like yes that is how you should uh you know get it go up and and talk to this woman (laughs) dude i can't tell you how much covid brought back the parking lot pimping culture (laughs) and i absolutely love it like that's what we should have done Hey, it brought it, it. It brought me back to uh, drive-in movies, which I still, you know, frequent a lot now. It's it did take out, you know, like because the thing is, we used to go to restaurants all the time. Like, you know, we mm-hmm. live near a town where there's, you know, lots of restaurants, and on the weekends we would just go up and frequent all the places around us. And you know, pandemic changed that because you were just ordering food and and taking it home. And now, you know, for us, like takeout. You know, it's such a big thing where it really wasn't as big before. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot to mention how DJ gets in the house because that's kind of important. It's a little bit of foreshadowing to what takes place. Yeah. Is it, the girls end up getting freaked out seeing that there's like a figure walking out in the front to which Parker grabs a knife and like goes to goes out front. And then you find out that the figure came into the house through the back. And then it turns out to be DJ. So that's another reason why fellas don't be doing weird shit like that. That's how you get stabbed. Please don't do that. <laughs> so um after DJ or after Parker uh convinces uh Mary to let DJ stay, the three of them just got kind of hanging out and having uh conversations and they have a little prompto dance party. DJ starts sharing his weed with the girls. Uh, they all start smoking together. Um, and DJ starts telling weird-ass stories. <laughs> <laughs> about how, like, his grandma, like, heard about a, like, rattlesnake that ripped out a baby's intestines. Mm-hmm. Or that it was, like, a snake that went into a baby's mouth and when they tried to pull the snake out, they pulled out the baby's intestines along with it. And then he's like, hand to God, that's what my grandma said. <laughs> and then Mary just pretty much says your grandma's stupid and so are you. <laughs> She's just like, that's a bold wives tale. That never happened. It's just like, it, it's super weird. I think they're trying to do, like, it, it feels like Williamson's trying to do like this kids telling urban legends around a fi- uh, like a fire sort of thing but it which kinda, hey I, by the way this is something that you're talking kevin williamson like this is kind of like there were lots of scenes in dawson's creek you know where it would be just characters like sitting like at a waterfront like doing mm-hmm. this so so it's like i get the, i get the writing of it but it also feels like a really outdated thing to do yeah, it feels very Camp Crystal Lake. But again, it's like, you know, hey, there's a reason for these people that are here. And there's a reason why they're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And obviously that, you know, it's like they're they're outside soaking up the sun because they're literally out in the middle of nowhere. 
not much else to do and can't really be around people. Might as well get high and drunk. <laughs> so Miri ends up leaving. Um, and after she leaves, Parker and DJ end up having a conversation about Parker's Instagram post that shows her at a party kissing a random stranger who turns out to be like the friend of a friend or a friend of a roommate uh, who they convince to go out and party with them. And DJ starts asking questions, not in an aggressive way. And this is kind of where, where I started. I don't know if I'm empathizing or if I'm supposed to be empathizing with or sympathizing with uh, with DJ. But he starts asking, yeah, so he's like, do you end up having sex with him? And she's like, none of your business. <laughs> and he's like, well, you know, I kind of want to know because I thought we had something special going uh, to which Parker kind of calls out whether DJ had been sleeping around with any of the sorority girls, to which he responds no, because he was trying to be respectful of what they they thought they had going. Uh, Parker again reminds him that he or that they weren't exclusive and that she she apologizes because he's not gonna get the answer he wants from her. Uh pretty much implying that as much as he likes her. Uh, she doesn't feel the same way. Um, and, you know, eventually DJ kind of understands that, accepts that, and just lets her know that he'll be gone by morning. Um, and yeah, like, after that, everyone goes to sleep. Um, yeah, everyone ends up going, uh, going to sleep. When DJ goes to his car... We see in the background that one of the masked figures from early, or a masked figure we saw earlier ends up coming into the house um, when he's not paying attention. And while everyone's asleep, this guy, this intruder, starts going through everyone's room and grabbing their phones uh, off their chargers and taking them away from them. So not only are they now isolating, you know, in the sense that they're in a house now they are actually being isolated away from technology or any way to like talk to people mm-hmm. and i swear so much for some reason the creepiest thing in any of these home invasion movies it's always when the home invader does shit like this just to fuck with people <laughs> yes it gave me a lot of like you know hey one of the movies we talked about in our social isolation episode we talked about the strangers from 2008 Mm -hmm. it's very much something like that you know characters that are stuck in the home that are being you know just frightened by people that they have no idea who they are or like remember that i mean it's not exactly the same because it wasn't social isolation but remember that short film in uh the first VHS where uh it's like the couple on a road trip and like oh. someone keeps breaking into their hotel room <laughs> yes. and fucking with their shit. Yeah. That one always creeps me out because it's the same thing. It's someone just fucking with people while they're sleeping, like starts like cleaning the toilet with the dude's toothbrush. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like anytime something like that it's just it's you're at your most vulnerable and it's like the fact that they're not killing you is like terrifying because it's like well what do they have planned for you yeah home invasion is like a it's a subgenre of slasher movies and it's so freaking frightening because again it is just just the premise of it the idea that someone will come into your place of residence and you know basically like 
just it is there's something that's just so intrusive about it like literally <laughs> mm-hmm. so while everyone's asleep and all their stuff gets taken um dj and parker get woken up by like loud music that starts playing downstairs um which the the song playing becomes very important later on in the film but as parker leaves her room like angry because she thinks it's dj dj ends up grabbing her as she like looks down and sees of one of the figures walk across the house and pretty much telling her someone is in the house so she so uh, dj gives parker his truck keys and tells her to go start the truck and that he's going to go get uh miri and in that time um you know while their separation uh parker goes outside she ends up checking miri's window and notices the intruder coming into her room while she's sleeping she ends up screaming, waking Miri up in time before the intruder is able to attack her, and alerting uh, DJ where she's at. DJ comes running in to distract uh, the would-be killer. They start fighting in Miri's room, and he yells at Miri to get out, or DJ yells at Miri to get out, uh, and that he'll take care of the killer. So right, there's just a lot going on. Suddenly, these these high stakes. There's a fight going on. Miri goes running outside. Um, I do put- like that this 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 section of the movie is where DJ goes from a character that I really kind of detested and didn't like to mm-hmm. someone that okay I'm okay with because he does actually like stick around and try to make things better. Oh yeah, like, like- he does try to help the two our two female leads in this. And, uh, you know, that that warms me up to him before he meets his unfortunate demise. And he puts up a hell of a fight. I, again, I respect how everyone puts up a fight. <laughs> uh, he I, th- keep... I think that's the influence of Kevin Williamson, too. Like, I feel like if you watch, obviously, like stuff like I Know What You Did Last Summer, Scream and Halloween H2O. Like, I feel like those movies, they've always had characters that are that are less inclined to just run away from the killer and will mm. at least try to defend themselves first. Like they have more of an active role in trying to survive. And I really like that. Um, and you see that here, uh, DJ tries to put up a fight. Unfortunately he goes out and it will, I can only will assume will be the way I die in a horror movie or a slasher is that when he finally has a moment to escape, he goes back and goes, fuck you, and tries to kick the guy. <laughs> and that's when the, the killer ends up stabbing him in the leg um, and then taking the knife and uh, stabbing him repeatedly. And then she he ends up stabbing Peter, or Peter, now I'm just making up names. He ends up stabbing, uh, stabbing DJ with the, uh, like a fireplace poker? Or, like, just this big, I don't know what it was, like a, a spear like object. Mm hmm. <laughs> and it always, it always makes me laugh because it, th- th- that fire poker always reminds me of like the scene from Batman 89 when Joker, when Joker loudly goes, never rub another man's rhubarb. <laughs> <laughs> you rub my rhubarb for the last time. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like as 
as uh, Parker goes outside because she thinks she can help DJ, she sees that his feet aren't exactly touching the ground and realizes that the killer is lifting him up by the fireplace poker. And then, like, when he slams it, he ends up impaling and murdering DJ with it in front of Parker. Parker takes off running, jumps back into the truck. At this point, camera's showing that the truck tires have been slashed. The girl's trying to make a mad dash towards the main road. Uh, end up crashing on a side of the, kind of like the driveway. And then uh, from there, the the car is not, or the car no longer having tire treads. Uh, is just useless. The girls managed to get out and make a run for it back to the house. I believe so, right? Yeah, that's what that's what ends up happening. Them is that the intruder ends up chasing the girls. Yeah, um, sorry, the, I was muted. <laughs> oh no, you're good. Uh, Miri and Parker end up, um, yeah, making a dash back to the house, completely aware that they don't know where the killer is and exactly where they're gonna, where the killer is supposed to be in the house. They end up climbing up to to the second floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and try to uh, get into the house through the roof. However, Miri is suddenly pushed, and she goes flying off like the second floor and lands on her back in the grass. Um, Parker ends up running into the kitchen where she ends up getting jumped by the intruder, and she gets in this brutal fight. Very actually, kind of reminded me a bit of the Halloween Ends fight between uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and uh, and Michael Myers. Where he's just he's just like throwing her over like that partition or over that island, mm-hmm. and just like slamming her against the walls and shit, and you know eventually she's able to get the upper hand. She gets on top of him and grabs like a jar or a, I don't know what it was. It was just it's like, like a tin, like a, like like it just makes me think of those like tin buckets that you would just put like a bucket of beers in or something like that. Yeah, I think that I think you're right. That's what it or like, like or like what you would put like champagne bottles in. But apparently this one's made of like vibranium or some shit <laughs> and doesn't dent or anything and instead like explodes this guy's fucking inside of his head. Yes, she like she like nearly caves in this like killer's head. Yeah, she beats the guy. He's all bloodied and bruised. I'll give the movie tons of credit for this section because I absolutely didn't know what to expect here. You know, like I figured that it was that the rest of this movie was going to be like an hour long chase. And mm-hmm. I wasn't sure, you know, that we were eventually going to find out who the killer is. But there was going to be a lot more action in this uh, and that it was just going to be like a straight on chase movie from here on out. But no, it's like we actually do have the death of one of the killers. And the next thing you know, we find out that there's another killer. Oh, and... my God. The reveal of the second intruder uh, when he comes in through the kitchen door. And sees the other guy dead. It's like I remember thinking, okay, Parker and Miri can they can they can survive. They're they're out there. They're taking this active role in their in their in their safety. They're or in their uh, trying to save themselves. They're fighting like they're making smart decisions. I'm like these girls can do it. And then you see Miri go off, and you know you don't know what's wrong with her at this point. Yes. And you know, you know Parker's all messed up from this fight. And you're like, 
okay, they went through a lot, but they managed to kill this guy. Maybe something happens. And to reveal that there's another dude, I'm just like, way to take the wind out of them. (laughs) (laughs) To be like, holy shit, it took so much out of them to kill the one guy. Now they got to deal with another one? Like, fuck. And I thought that was really well done. I love the reveal. I love the energy leading up to it. I love the fight, the action, the frantic action leading up to the reveal too. Just everything up until that part, I loved it. This it gave me a lot of uh your next vibes. It gave me a lot of like you said, uh the strangers, um, or even like the best scene in the strangers, uh the sequel, if you ever watch Pray at Night. Don't mm-hmm. watch Pray at Night, it sucked. Okay. <laughs> but there is one really good scene in that movie um where uh one of the victims ends up putting a really like this awesome fight up against the sack boy uh which i highly recommend you check out um you probably like find out on youtube or something like just youtube uh the strangers fight scene True. um but yeah like it's just it, it's so well done up until this part i'm like holy shit this movie fucking had me like I'm getting your next vibes, and as you know, that's one of my favorite like home invasion movies. And then it's like leading up to that, the you know, this guy suddenly um he's suddenly like mourning the death of this other intruder. Parker uses this as a chance to escape and she runs outside to find Miri alive. But apparently Miri broke her leg in her fall. Um and Jesus <laughs> at this point the guy comes running out screaming and parker just tells miri i can't do anything just play dead and i'll come back for you (laughs) and i'm like oh my god if angel ever told me to just play dead the killer is gonna have to stop me from killing angel (laughs) (laughs) If if one of us ever had to tell the other one to play dead it doesn't matter how serious or dire the situation the hardest part would be just us like trying not to giggle like two kids (laughs) trying to be quiet at a sleepover (laughs) i mean just play dead i'm gonna immediately fart i'm gonna tell you that right now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> immediate fear fart I'll be just play that I'll come back and save you <laughs> oh my god so yeah Miri ends up playing dead um, and the other stupid intruder believes him but not really like checking her all that good uh, so he ends up chasing after Parker who's smart uh, you know makes a great decision ends up running to the lake uh, where she ends up detaching the floating dock we saw the girls hanging out on earlier. Um, and she actually rows herself over to the neighbor's house. Um, or at least that's the plan. She ends up getting attacked by the intruder in the middle of the lake, uh, getting stabbed and forcing her to swim the rest of the way. And like at this point, you're just like, Jesus, what's this girl got to do? She runs over to the neighbor's house, ends up breaking in to try to get some help. The neighbor <laughs> comes out with a shotgun and is like, bitch, if you don't get out of my house, I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> and I was just like, this girl just can't catch a break at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, I never felt worse for a white woman in a horror movie. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then uh, she manages to uh, remind the neighbor who she was. Uh, he's like, oh, you're so-and-so's kid. Yeah, let's call the cops. I got you. As soon as he turns around to get the cop, like the to get the phone to call the cops, he ends up getting fucking stabbed by the intruder, who then takes the gun and shoots at Parker, missing her twice. <laughs> she ends up jumping back, or she ends up jumping out of a window and just runs as fast as she can, just like towards the interstate. And oh my god, dude, like. I don't think I've seen a final girl fight this hard to survive since like Sally from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, seriously. Or even like you know Sydney and Scream. Like she yeah. doesn't have the she doesn't have the presence that Sydney does, and who who does? Mm-hmm. But it's just like yeah, it's it's the kind of like once she can get the upper hand, she will absolutely be the one to fight back. Or even another one, a very old Wes Craven movie that Kevin Williamson has nothing to do with. You know, very Last House on the Left in some ways. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see that, too. Uh, she ends up grabbing, like, this log and, like, manages to, like, knock the intruder down uh, who chases her to the road. And she manages to, and Parker manages to, like, flag down a car. Yes. And it's, like, this older, well, this older woman who's like oh honey you look like you need help and then it's like as the as parker's trying to get in her car she's like where's your mask yes which this was like a gag that was in the trailer so when i initially saw the trailer for this movie uh i was just like yeah yeah, i'll watch it yeah sure why not and and i remember (laughs) the scene from the from the trailer I remember that, and I was just like, "This bitch." <laughs> I was like, "They did just they not they did not just make a joke about needing a mask to get in her car." But... I was like, "It feels too out of place, even in this type of movie." Like you know, using this as the backdrop. Yeah. So what I'm helps like... is that there's an actual reason for it. Yeah, uh, thank God they you do know, that. The driver makes. Uh, makes Parker put on the mask and instantly Parker realizes that the mask was uh was laced with chloroform and uh she like passes out <laughs> and so begins the stupidest <laughs> twist yes. I have ever seen in any fucking horror movie look I was with this movie a thousand percent and I again like I talked about how hey killing the killer and having it be two killers like all this stuff is really interesting and I'm very with the movie and yes everything after you know the chloroform mask I think is where the movie it feels like they just wanted to rush to wrap it up and in trying to do it that way and not coming up with something a little bit more interesting, I think the movie, it it loses its steam a lot in this third act. Oh, this third act. It stinks. It stinks, 100%. (laughs) (laughs) It stinks. It, okay, the only cool thing that happens in the third act is Miri manages to get back to the uh, back inside the house and she takes she like she takes one of those like auto knives things saws apart a chair and uses it with saran wrap to get, make herself a splint to fix her leg she then starts using the 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 cabin wi-fi to try to get a hold of somebody and she ends up getting attacked 
by the original killer that turns out uh, Parker hadn't killed. So as they're fighting in the kitchen, she manages to use a kitchen knife, stabs him, and ends up saving herself. And I was like, okay, that's taken care of. And then, you know, she suddenly she's hiding in the kitchen. She gets her laptop. She's trying to call, she's trying to text the police. She's trying to text her family. She's trying to call someone to to come uh come help her. Uh she texts the address um and you know says send help. And this is when the woman uh and the other the second killer uh come into the house carrying uh Parker. The woman named Pamela <laughs> Her husband, who was later revealed to be her husband, the other killer, named Jason. <laughs> I was like, why? Why did they have to be so on the nose about it? But anyway. Yeah, uh, they it's end- pretty. It, it, once they revealed this, I'm kind of like, ugh, I didn't like it. It felt like it was in poor taste. You know what it felt uh, like? It felt like a weird film school student attempt at a horror movie no you know what it really does feel like and i'll say this because you know i don't know the director of this movie very well but obviously i know the writer of this is kevin williamson i know john himes enough that i want to fight him it feels like someone who's a little too old to understand what people are really feeling in this moment trying to write what what a white older hollywood writer thinks you know what i mean <laughs> thinks how this should go and it's just i know it doesn't make sense but i mean it's just i don't know man it just it didn't feel right and it felt kind of dirty like the fact that they were just gonna it's like all right we had the slasher movie everything was good we were going through it and then it's like uh now we're gonna do the my son died of COVID from you in a hospital bed. When again, it's like what we're talking about. We still haven't even fully come to grips with the fact that a lot of people who knew people around us have died of COVID. And there's something just, there's something just a tad serious about it that makes it something that it just didn't feel right that this movie decided to play with it in the end. It's the weakest, like, it's, it's not the, necessary. Like it's the weirdest, weakest argument for a serial killer or motive for a serial killer. Yeah. To well, be what like, would have made this movie more interesting is you if you give the killer a motive that actually has nothing to do with COVID. Like make make COVID the backdrop, make your mask on joke, make your quarantine jokes and stuff like that. And have like everyone be afraid of getting too close to each other because they could get COVID from each other. But you didn't have to go there. You didn't like, have to go with the fact that her heroine was a was a COVID spreader <laughs> who put everyone else in danger around them. Like, imagine how terrifying this was if it was something like from The Strangers, where they have Mary and Parker tied up. And when one of them asks, why, why are you doing this? Like, one of them just responds, because we knew you'd be home. Mm-hmm. there's another movie that kind of does this and i'm gonna bring up something a little obscure but paranormal activity seven 
<laughs> which which came out uh the next of kin movie it, it went straight to paramount plus during the uh-huh. pandemic and because it was filmed during the pandemic uh, there's a scene where you know the characters that the movie revolves around are at an airport and the person who's picking them up at the airport is wearing a mask and again, this is when we were still technically on lockdown, like, you know, the vaccine was out and some people were getting it, but we still weren't kind of coming back into the world yet in in the way that we would the year after. And that is is, is more interesting to me. It's more interesting to see movies deal with, you know, the reality of COVID, the, the, the fact that it did happen and it was something that we were all dealing with and have stories like revolve around that. Like, how do you play around that? But yeah, again, it just goes a little bit too bad into port, too much into poor taste territory with the fact that it's like a revenge plot on someone who died of COVID. It just doesn't make sense. Like for a family who cared this much about like, you know, their son and they couldn't be around him, you know, they certainly are going out of their way to get really close to someone who's infected and, (laughs) you know, their revenge plot. It's just I don't know that it justifies the loss that they've experienced as well. Yeah, so the big reveal because in this hey, scene, if you want to get into whose fault it is that this guy like died, it's it, they were both willing participants in this party. It was yeah. not her that was the person who was solely responsible for it. And there's a reason why the CDC was telling us not to gather in large groups. So yeah. it's just it, I do I do think it's kind of funny that the parents, you know, of this kid Benji are named uh, Pamela and Jason, obviously a reference to Friday the 13th. It is... We just did... Um, we just did... Uh, what's it called? Twilight. Wherein I said it was egregious that the movie tried to convince us that a minor league <laughs> baseball player could afford a house in Jacksonville <laughs> on his salary. This... No, this movie can eat my ass <laughs> with this egregious ass shitty writing. I like how every movie now we're just gonna like find one part of it where it could just eat our ass with like how dumb it is. Well, we pick movies with one thing that's really <laughs> dumb and picking my son died of COVID so now you must die whore is such a stupid weak argument like motivation. Yes. And it's like, and then they, and then they're like, oh, and we know who you, like, they've been contact tracing. Like, I, I wish we were this effective in the beginning yes. of COVID. Like, and that's this... the other problem. It was very hard to do contact tracing unless you were like medical professional, unless you tried, you know, to do it. Like it, it just, there's, it, we just weren't there yet. And not just that, but people didn't have COVID tests at home like that yet. Like, you could only get them if you were going to a hospital. Like, I remember, you know, we had a bit of a scare early on in the pandemic, and a member of our family had to go get tested for COVID. And they ended up getting tested at, at our local hospital, and it took 24 hours for that test to come back to tell us whether or not they were positive or negative. Like... yeah it's just it's again the step too far like it's like i worked in investigations 
there was no one that was getting this quick of a turnaround time. <laughs> like, I was like, this movie's so stupid now. Yeah, we was... reached the point where we can no longer suspend disbelief. Uh, and I'm glad it happens, because at this point, <laughs> uh, he, after, after finding out that someone had been fucking around with the Wi-Fi, Jason goes outside, thinking that Mary's still alive. And this gives um this gives Mary the opening to kind of, to to knock Parker or no knock Pamela out, which then leads to a fight where they end up throwing Pamela face first through a window, <laughs> just <laughs> fucking her up with all the glass. And at this point, um, the girls try to the girls uh try to make their escape, um. Jason chases them through the house. They manage to push him off of the second floor and landing. And he ends up falling on like a deer head and getting impaled on the antlers. The same deer head that, um, uh, that what's his name, uh, DJ tried to use to fight off the first killer. Mm-hmm. So uh, at this point, Jason dies. The girls end up running to, uh, the shed on the premises where there's like a, one of those like ATV jeeps, like the uh, ATV golf carts, I guess is the only way to kind of describe it. And as they're trying to turn it on, uh, they realize the battery works, uh, but there needs, but it needs gas. At this point, Pamela shows up, all messed up, and she ends up grabbing a uh, grabbing an axe and starts like swinging it at Parker. Parker defends herself with a gas tank. The gas is falling all over, um, falling all over Pamela. And now that she's drenched in gasoline, Mary's able to set her on fire using like a striker that uh, Pamela had on her. Immediately ignites her clothes as she goes running off into the street. And she ends up, she runs a good, like, I want to say 20 yards before kind of falling over and succumbing to uh, the fire that just killed her. Um, meanwhile, you see, um, you see, uh, what's it called? The uh, sirens and police cars in their distance coming uh, to the aid of Parker and uh, Mary. And that begins the credits. Roll credits. That's our movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness, Javi. Do you like Sick? No, this movie sucks ass. (laughs) This movie... It is hard. I love the first half of this movie. This movie's going places. Everyone's cooking. It feels like there is some fucking. It feels like there is like a lot that can be done here. It's very the first half of this movie. You're watching it, and you're like, "Oh man, we really are like back in the golden age of slasher films again." Mm -hmm. Like you know, like hey, like slasher films are back in such a big way right now, and we're gonna have another screen movie come out. And it's just, yeah, we really are in this period of time where it's where it's fun again. It's one of those movies that's like you got the you got the intruders in the house fucking fucking like toying with these people. It reminds me a lot of like your next or hush or the strangers. And I'm like, oh dude, this movie's gonna be really good. And then the third act happens and it just all falls apart. Yeah. And it's like 
the the problem is everyone feels their movie has to say something unique and special and it's like i get it there you want to you want to put a message out there maybe you even want to put a message about covid out there mm-hmm. but to the people that actually lost people during covid yeah. this is so weird insensitive bullshit yes <laughs> Yes. Like, to try to be like a couple blames someone getting sick. <laughs> it's like you know what it is? It's like it's it's like if somebody put out a slasher movie in the early aughts and you're like, oh, this is really interesting. What an interesting concept. And then like the third act of the movie takes place in this in like the second tower of the World Trade Center on 9-11, right? Like, oh it's just, like it is it is really that. You're just like, oh no, this is not where I wanted this to go. Like that is what it is. It's just like this a slow moving train that's about to hit you in the third act, and you're just like, Yeah, I, w- I did not want this. And there's nothing you can do about it, it just yeah. fucking rolls all over. <laughs> yeah, so I will say that I did not like this movie as well, but I will say that I probably would recommend for people to watch it. You know, obviously, we don't recommend movies here. We just mentioned whether we like them or not. And but again, if anyone's like listening to this, which I don't think anyone would listen to this and uh, not have seen it beforehand. But in case you I did, so. the movie's been spoiled for you completely. Um, yeah, what but, are you doing? Like, but also, I do think it's worth a watch. Um, you know, for those who have not seen it. Um, you know, but you know, again, it, it, maybe you'll have a different reaction to the third act than we did. But I think both of us, obviously, because of your experience, you know, professionally, and me, I, I think because we were both, you were an an essential frontline worker, and I, you know, obviously live with an essential frontline worker. Uh, it was a complicated thing awkward thing and i yeah i just i can't get over how gross that third act feels dude people threatened our building during covid (laughs) yeah and it's like and you want me to sit here and believe that this couple's like i'm gonna burn you because you killed you killed my husband you you killed let's be real those characters look like people that would have been calling it a fake virus Oh, exactly. Like, it's just, it's so, it's just so left field. I can't even take this serious. Like, it's so ridiculous. Uh, And it's weird. I ha- There's another COVID movie that I have very complicated feelings about because I want to like it, but it's also bad. <laughs> and that's Dash Cam. And I think that's a movie we need to, like, also review after watching this dredge. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, we can save but it for like I honestly I think once we get through our next few movies, I do think we probably should make a uh come back to horror uh for a few months because there besides Scream Six, you know, there are a few there are some really good horror movies out right now. Uh oh, yeah. and and that are gonna be worth talking about. Um, but of course, you know, hey, uh, I would like to thank you guys for joining us for this episode of the show where we talked about sick. Um, uh, please continue to interact with us on social media on our Instagram page. Uh, leave us, you know, reviews and ratings on Apple Podcasts. You know, try to leave us ratings on uh, Spotify. You know, um, 
and Podbean if you can. Uh, and, you know, continue sending us uh, recommendations. We have been receiving recommendations on movies to watch. And, and funny enough, people have really enjoyed the amount of rom-coms that we've been doing and the suggestions for other movies to review are coming in. So, Dude, like, if we, I would have known rom-coms would have put us on the map like this, we've... <laughs> We should have just been doing like rom coms. No, this is a big year. It's a big year for the show because I think there's a lot of good stuff for us to review, and uh, it's really just a matter of of of, of you know fitting it all in. Um, and but we're very excited to do that, and uh, oh, we're gonna take a detour off of you know horror for the next and for and rom coms for the next couple of weeks because we're actually gonna do. Uh, black panther and black panther wakanda forever so we're gonna go back to marvel which we have not done since like you know i think oof, maybe spider-man no way home it's been a while since we've done marvel that's true so, yeah it's been yeah. a minute so we're gonna make a nice return to marvel for for a few weeks and uh then we're gonna probably make another jump back into horror again so uh, please continue to again, uh, you know, follow the show, and uh, we appreciate you guys being patient with us as we, you know, try to work with getting, uh, getting and maintaining our regular schedule that we put out. So, um, please, thank you for joining us for the show, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Later, y'all.